Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Truth Chat, Today's Temperature. I am your host, Joy of Joyful Sound, another May Music production, and this is, my friends, episode 20. Yes, we've been at this thing for at least 20 episodes, if I'm counting correctly, but I know some of you all that have been following have noticed that a couple of times I've been a little bit off (laughs) with the count that is. Those of you all that have been following know that we have been using the 15 commitments of conscious leadership to account for ourselves throughout the different episodes of True Chat, including a community podcast. So as I have these conversations, discussions, and interviews throughout Inglewood, through residents of Inglewood and communities alike, I find that uh, combined with my experience, my life, that most of the violence and the things that we see out here on our streets are caused by the mis- and diseducation and lack of even wanting to know the truth about sexuality. And as people of color, knowing that that is our domain, again, when you want to know how the people of a nation are doing, You want to look at the women and the children. What state are they in? State of mind, that is, which materializes in the behavior. There are three of the 15 commitments that I see is affecting our communities the most. And before I go into reading the actual commitments again, or its opposite. I'm gonna, let's talk about what is conscious leadership. Because these are the 15 commitments of conscious leadership. What is conscious leadership? Leading on purpose, deliberation, deliberately being a leader, deliberately moving back home to a community nobody seem to understand why I came back. Deliberation, conscious leadership. It's being aware of who you are, how you feel, and what role you play in any and every life situation and experience. Can you locate yourself? And the 15 commitments are the tools that can be applied to attain that knowing. The ability to see yourself is one of the most powerful tools, especially when your God-given right feels jeopardized. And that is the right to be free, which means expressing one's self freely as well. Unconsciously shown to us and taught to us through artists, through the different forms of art and entertainment. We learn how to express ourselves. Can you now see and understand why they are considered the wizards and the witches? We embody self-expression. 
which is God coming through as us. Shout out to the teachings of Ernest Holmes and the ones that came before him that taught him. And as I continue to move through this conversation, I use myself and my family as an example to let you know that my skin in the game, as my friend Corey said the last episode, runs deep because my objective My deliberation for being back here in Chicago is to change the narrative. And that narrative starts within the family, then the neighborhood, then the community, and into the nation. I skipped a whole bunch of steps, but I'm sure you all know how it goes. So with that being said, I give my family this. Know thyself and you shall know others. And I'm okay with knowing that you all aren't ready. But it does not mean that it is not time for it to happen. If you all give acknowledgement and knowing what acknowledgement is or even think about it. I have always brought things back to my family that you all didn't catch until years later. And now everybody else is doing it. So think about that in your resistance to what I'm bringing to you all now. Don't get mad when I use comparisons like Jesus or Christ-like. Because Jesus knew all of what he was about to jump into. Who his enemies were, which were the people closest to him. The ones that were going to stand in his corner. And the ones that were going to betray him. And the ones that he knew that looked like a betrayal to most people because they cannot see themselves. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Again, we have to acknowledge, know thyself and you shall know others. That way you know when there are particular people that came to bring you a certain message And even if you're not in agreement at the time or understand it at the time, you don't put out daggers to create more karmic debt. More karma that has to be repaired within that family. And that's real talk for all my people in Inglewood, all my black families here and My white families, because it's a lot of others. It's a lot of us mixed families here in Inglewood. I want to point your attention in the direction of the myths and diseducation around sexuality that is linked to the violence we see on our streets and in our communities. To materialize in our homes, as well as the question. Is being a victim A choice. It's a hard concept to grasp, to talk about, and to toss around. But I want you all to listen for that throughout this episode. Now, commitment number five. I commit to ending gossip, talking directly to people with whom I have an issue or concern, 
and encouraging others to talk directly to people with whom they have an issue or concern. It's opposite. I commit to saying things about people that I have not or will not say to them. I commit to talking about people in ways I wouldn't if they were there. I commit to listening to others when they gossip. How it shows up in my family. Go to family functions and you see people looking at you funny. Or they're asking questions about things you have no idea about. Because these are the things that they have discussed instead of allowing or bringing it to the people that they have issues with. The women who refuse to talk to each other. What it turns out to look like is competition. And when you're competing, you can't seem to feel that you can lift the other person up. So that right there is defeated in the family with it amongst the women. So that is automatically out. And when it is happening, it is happening in such a way that is not pure. It is with an expectation of receiving something they feel like they are owed through Past experiences of hurt and pain that has not been dealt with. How do I know? I see it because I have lived it, experienced it away from it and was able to heal. Now, at the end of this, I'm going to talk y'all through those steps. Now, true, all our battle scars are not the same, but you best believe, family, that they are all connected and related Meaning, gone to hell, sat with the devil, and had the conversation. Where most people don't want to. That's acknowledgement. Seeing the dark side. Accepting it. Learning to love it. And ascending in its power. What does that mean? So then all of that talk and gossip spreads in their, their lies. And it turns into animosity. Look at those weapons of mass destruction. Those curses you casting out through your thoughts and through your words. You didn't bother to address them or deal with them or take them to the person or entity that you even had the issue with. For whatever reasons. Commitment number six. I commit to the masterful practice of integrity, including acknowledging all authentic feelings, expressing the unarguable truth and keeping my agreements. It's opposite. I commit to living in incompletion by withholding my truth, denying my feelings, not keeping my agreements and not taking 100% responsibility. How it shows up in my family. Blame. We blame our parents, especially our mothers, for the things we know and saw that they went through. Whether it was a drug addiction, whether it was being beat by our, their, our fathers or the men that they dated. Marrying and dating men for other reasons than love, loving men that didn't return the love the way they saw fit or the way that they gave it. Flip side, cousins crack whored out 
at the age of 18. Gang leaders, leaders though, both male and female, desperately striving to not be like my mother. It's a lot of those girls in my family. I remember being a child when that was all I wanted to be was like my mother. There was a play that I dressed up as a nurse and danced my ass off. Because <laughs> my mother saved everybody. She knew, she knew everything. When did all those things change? Thinking that your worth is defined by the words of the person that you are dating. Not even through the actions. So verbal and physical abuse is able to take place because you don't see your worth. And when that happens, you move into sexual traffic. You don't see it coming. And when you do see it coming, it's a place of comfort for you by then. Something you're used to. This is where that saying that y'all hear people say, God don't give you more than you can handle. This is what that means. It's taken out of context. Again, it's showing up as lies, deceit, leading family, other family to believe things that are not true. I'm going to tell you, there are people in my family that feel like because things of hurt and pain happen to them, then it should happen to the other person or other people in the family. You'll hear things sound like it's a rites of passage of some sort. This is the illness. This is how it shows up. Again, these are tools, you guys. These commitments are tools. Number seven. I commit to living in appreciation fully, openly to both receiving and giving appreciation. It's opposite. I commit to feeling entitled to what's mine, resenting when it's not acknowledged in the way I want. And I'm telling you all. How it shows up in my family. I am a firm example. I acknowledge my own baggage and my shit. My need to feel acknowledged in my family. But understanding why it feels that way. There's a process in this healing thing. And to understand and continue to help others. Again that I will address at the end of this episode. I tell my family they avoid me in conversation and in person because I am the mirror they see themselves they can't help but to be reminded of what their ailments are there was a period when I left all of that things drastically change this is me also acknowledging my energy how relevant <laughs> I am to my family that through the threats and the lies that both my male cousins shouted out at me through text instead of actually coming in person to try and talk through shit, 
when another younger cousin of ours was hurting, they couldn't hear. They only responded through anger, hurt, and pain. And I was able to see through it things that they won't even admit to themselves that they experienced through the family. So they have blame and shame that after all these years, you self-medicated through alcohol, sexual suppressions that led to deviations. This is what I see that runs throughout my community of Inglewood. The things we're not talking about, but are experiencing. Through the hurt and pain and violence that we keep pointing our fingers at others to fix. The other thing that results and you can see in the family is the need to be right. The need to not be like the others. So you cling to religion. Not necessarily spirituality, but religion through different laws and practices. Though when truly dealing with the ailment, things change. Trust. Because there's no need to defend that space anymore. Yes, religions and people's what they consider their faith separates the family. You see that a lot in Inglewood and communities alike. The will to survive, being in jail for half your life, coming out knowing that the most important thing is family and love, receiving it and giving it, but not necessarily knowing how to balance it. So you self-medicate again with alcohol and drugs. That's what we know. That's not who we have to be, though. Because I sat with that devil. And I made the agreement to a sin. <laughs> get up, get up, get up, get up. My name is Damana Shaori, and I'm a um, retired CPS teacher and school social worker. I uh, write. That's what I do now. I write and I'm a professional storyteller, um, and I met Joy at a, a religious center we used to attend, a spiritual center we used to attend together, and he, she and I have done some healing work, and we have more healing work to do. Glad to be here. Uh, my name is Mark Quinn McDonald. I am uh, the uh, owner of Quantum Martial Arts and Fitness, as, and I am the co-founder of Watch Guard Chicago, which is a patrol group that goes out uh, every night and patrols the community. Uh, and we stand at the gas stations on the weekends to counter carjacking. And um, I, uh, again, I guess I said, I, 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 I do mentorship. I met Joy through a good friend of mine by the name of Tony Anderson, uh, who was the owner of Sacred Keepers. And um, yeah, I'm here to, here to learn. So in the introduction, we're going to say who we are, what we do, and why we are a part of the call. Okay. Get part of the call. All right. Uh, my name is Michaela Hampton. Um, 
who I am. That's what what I do. I'm a student. Uh, I also work part time as an after school teacher's aide. So I'm taking a break right now. Um, why am I a part of the podcast? Well, uh, honestly, I'm just here to, I guess, talk. I told Joy I was here to bring an opposing viewpoint. Um, so, yeah. Greetings, everyone. Can you hear me fine? Yes, I can. Okay. <clears throat> um, my name is Tierra Lady Wilson. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Miss Sylvia Joy Smith um, in 2004. We worked together uh, at the YMCA in Aquatics. Um, fast forward to now, um, I pride myself in being a community new or elder. I like to put new in front of it because um, I wouldn't consider myself a pillar of the community, but I'm at that age of where transitioning in, you know, to that role. So I'm a proud community, new elder here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I'm also a uh, proud stay-at-home mom, um, retired from nonprofit um, some years ago. The reason why I'm on the call is because I'm an advocate for survivors. Um, I'm an advocate for mental health and housing justice. And um, it's always good to have these tough conversations around um, sexuality, sexual assault, sexual sadism, um, especially when it comes to the Black community, because we like to put stuff up under the rug and not talk about it. So I'm glad to be on True Chat to talk it out. Thank you. Um, next, I would like to do a meditation. And for those of you all that don't know what a meditation is, I believe everybody on this call does know what a meditation is and have meditated before. I've actually meditated with four of you all. Kayla, you would be the only person that I haven't. A meditation is a time pretty much for you to become centered. And what I mean by centered is to bring yourself to the present, bring yourself to this particular conversation, this situation. Um, it's a time to kind of let go of some of the things that were going on in the rest of the day, maybe uh, earlier today. For the most part, it's the activity is to bring you to the present, bring your mind, your mind state, peace and calm put you in alignment with conversation and whatever's taking place at that time. So with that being said, Imana, if you would lead us in a meditation. I'd like for you to do whatever you need to do to get centered. That might be doing absolutely nothing and remaining as you are. It might mean resting your hands in your lap. It might mean putting your feet flat on the floor. It might mean closing your eyes. It might be Something else, but whatever it is you need to do to get centered, to relax, and to try to free your mind of everything except this moment. So as we go within, I know that this is a sacred moment. I know that we have come together to do good work. 
I know that this is a safe space for us all. And that we know that what we say here is added to who we all are. We will be strengthened and made better by what goes on here tonight. So I want you to go within to that still small space. And I would like for us to take a journey. We're gonna take a journey to the world that we can create if we are courageous enough to do so. To be a voice of encouragement for someone who feels that no one cares and no one understands. Or whatever it is your heart tells you to do. Allow spirit to move up through you, in you, and as you. And let each one of us have the courage to be the change that we want to see in the world. Change your thinking, change your life. <clears throat> and so it is. Thank you. There's another exercise that we do. It's called presencing. I'm feeling uh, creative sexual energy because there are a lot of things I'm working on that got my creative juices flowing and I'm very excited about those things that I'm working on and looking forward to the uh, manifestation of those things, the performances of those things. And my next thought is, um, yeah, I hope we people are people feel safe and free tonight and uh, the conversation opens up and everybody goes away with something added to them that they didn't come to the conversation with. I am feeling very uh, angry. Um, that is toppled with also sadness and fear. Um, and I am really I know stopped up in my heart chakra. Like, yeah. Um, extra pain in my chest and my thoracic back. I don't let the stuff that I'm currently going through stop me from being in the moment of this particular assignment sorry i'm really anxious right now um so i guess my feeling would be fear but not fear as in like afraid but fear like anxiety um i feel shaky but that's because of the anxiety um i have i experience racing thoughts on a constant so my thoughts are a jumbled mix of like <coughs> Um, what everyone else is saying, what I'm going to say, um, and trying to keep myself in a calm, not manic state. Uh, and I guess my next thought uh, is to keep myself in a state where I am uh, calm and present enough to be a 
active member of the conversation um, without needing to take 20. You said 20, huh? Not five, but 20. No, five would not cut it. Uh, I'm feeling creative, uh, creative sexual energy uh, for the, the things that I'm working on. Um, and for everything that's going on in my life, uh, I am angry. Uh, just, just in regards to the circumstances of what's going on in the world right now, especially with uh, with my people, uh, this city, this 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 country. Um, and uh, I have I have joy. So. You know, um, I'm seeing the fruits of my labor and my children keep me, not just my biological children, but the children that I teach. Uh, they really, they give me hope. They give me a lot of hope, a lot of, uh, a lot of good energy. And they, they, they hope me up, even though, even though you would think I'm, it's, it's not, I'm the adult and I'm supposed to be holding them up. But I think it's a, it's a, it's a two way, so it goes both ways. Uh, it's, it's interesting how a child can actually hold you up, keep you, uh, just keep you on task and without them even being, probably being conscious of it. So, yeah. So it's just, a, you know, like you said, a cocktail of those, of those uh, emotions. Uh, man, <laughs> not to sound, uh, not to be, too, if you don't mind me being blunt, but you know, what the fuck? That's my thought right now. <laughs> That's it. And and actually, That's it. what he just said and what he just did is where that's what these activities are for. But a lot of times, when there are people, when you're brand new, you have it's a minute before you can get to a point where you can be, you can speak so freely, you can speak candidly. Um, so we're working towards that. And that's why I had Demana to start off because she always starts with assuring people that this is a safe space. And with that, you should be able to feel her energy through the meditation. My question to you all, what words trigger you around sex and sexuality? Trigger you making meaning, making you feel uncomfortable, fear, turn you on in a positive way. What words trigger you as it relates to sex and sexuality? Yeah, I did. uh, Something uh, Mark Quinn uh, said triggered me, triggered something that I had been feeling uh, that I was also feeling earlier. um, And that sadness I heard about kind of like what he said about what's going on in our community. I found out today that one of my 92 year old neighbor was carjacked the other day right in front of her house. Uh, Some people followed her from the store and she she parked in the front. She got out, was taking her bags in the in the house, and they guy came up on her and said, "Give me your keys." And fortunately, that's all he did. He didn't hurt her. He didn't didn't do anything to her physically. He took took the keys and drove off in a car. And, you know, we're hearing about this. I thought it had kind of died down, but my neighbor told me, no, nah, she told me about three or four 
situations. And, and it saddens me that we treat each other that way, that we have not been taught to be different, to be better. And it also saddens me that this might mean I have to move away from my people, you know, because I have no intention of being anybody's victim. Uh, I don't want to take the life of anybody's son or, or daughter, too, these days. Um, and so I'm, I'm wrestling with that. And I know it happens everywhere. But there are places where it happens much, much, much less. So I'm, I'm working with that idea uh, of moving out of my community. And it makes me I'm moving out of the state. And it makes me sad. What words trigger you? Gay, faggot. <laughs> All of these words that for me are part of indoctrination of the Black church. And they trigger me because they also are a contradiction as well. Because the same way that people are in the church holler, faggot, gay, dyke, this, that, the other, homo. The choir director is very obviously that person who you are using derogatory terms about, but it's normalized. So I I, I say that, I, I think I brought that up first because that's the first... I guess maybe negative or confusion <laughs> around sex um, when you do grow up in the church. And by the way, you guys, I want you all to jump in. I don't want to have to call your names out like we in this class. So please be a part of the conversation. But now since I have called <laughs> out you, Michaela, what uh, type of words trigger you around sex and sexuality and why? I don't have very many, both positive or negative. Um, I don't like the word hump at all. It makes me feel icky. Like, I know icky is a childish word, but like, that's how I feel. Like, it's, and I guess I feel that way sort of because I heard it a lot as a kid. Like, that's the word kids use when it comes to talking about sex. Um, and it's weird. And it makes me uncomfortable, especially because of my history. So I think with that word, it makes me feel a childish disgust uh, that then turns into, when I think about it, the disgust I have as an adult. Saying that word makes me feel gross. Uh, I guess it's one of the phrases I have is when, when and it's usually men talking about hitting it because that's just, it's, it's like they're talking about an object, you know, like chopping a piece of wood or driving a nail into something, they're going to hit it. And, and, and all, when I was teaching, and I don't know if this is still going on because I'm not in touch with children the way I was, they used to call having sex, somebody making a stain on somebody, you know, yeah, he stained her. And we used to talk about that a lot because I would try to peel those layers off and try to figure out how they saw it 
as a stain, you know, and how they can uplift that thought. But 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 the things that trigger me are like those two examples I gave, as well as anything that that infers violence with sex, Um, you know, putting somebody because because it's anything that's unwanted is probably violent. If, if it's, you know, a, 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 somebody putting somebody up, smashing somebody, not smashing, but, um, you know, pressing somebody up against a wall trying to get a kiss when they don't want to, you know, and all the way to um, sexual assault. So anything that has to do with violence connected with sexual activity is, is really disturbing to me. I want to say that I'm going to assume that I am the youngest. Um, amongst us. Um, and when you said stain, I will say that my generation doesn't use that. Um, however, there's a lot of, I'm going to smash you and I'm going to tap that um, language like that, which I do think infers violence because it sounds so non-consensual. Mm-hmm. Like you're not axing, you're just saying, I'm going to do it. Right. And it's disgusting. Like it, and that goes along with catcalling. When guys go like, ah, shoddy, you know, let me tap that ass or whatever. Like, you're nasty. (laughs) It's gross. Yeah. What words trigger you around sex and sexuality? And why? Um... So some of the words I'm gonna use, and some of the, some of the words I'm not going to say. Um, the reason why I'm not going to say some of the words is because it's based on the context. Um, words that do sound aggressive, like like uh, like she said, like I, I have I had a thing where guys they use words like cut, or you know, hitting it or whatever. Um, anything that seems like the sister said that's. Um, forceful this is gonna it's gonna touch it's gonna touch some nerve but male predator as if female predators don't exist so that 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 touches a that touches a nerve for me because there's always a conversation of it's always that it's, i'm not saying that i'm not trying to i'm not doing a blame game but we have to know that there's both. And, and what I mean is that I hear a lot of conversations around men, but when the conversations around women who, if, if you saw, I work with little girls, I teach them karate. If, if I was this, if, if uh, I was to see some little girl that's, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old and be like, Oh, she's she's so fine. She gonna grow up and be fine, and this and the third. And then I'll be looked at as kind of like, yo, it'd be a rape, eyebrow raise. But I've heard women even to today, when regarding referring to my son who's two, be like, oh, he gonna be fine when he get older. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's like it's nothing. I hope I'm making sense. It's like, yo, like it's it's okay for that. So I get I kind of have an issue with that. Like we don't really acknowledge everything. Like, you know, um have uh t- have anything that seems abusive, it seems 
one-sided just in regards to sexuality or just life I'm triggered by. So I'm just I'm gonna just sum it up like that. Anything that just seems abusive and one-sided, um <clears throat> that uh, anything that, that that where there's a disregard for, for the balance, uh I that triggers me. And words trigger me. Uh also what's some words trigger me, bitch, ho. Uh all that triggers me. Um my man and my woman, for whatever reason, triggers me uh, a little bit. You know, it triggers me a bit because um, it's about it's about possession. I'm not a, I'm not your possession. You know, um, I understand what is what is meant by it. I do, but at the same time, I'm not your possession. You know, um, you have your life. Uh, so things like that. I'm I'm trying not to be complicated, but. That's the best way I can explain the moment. Forgive me. First, let me say, with you being the only male on this call right now, we're all grateful. And I'm going to speak for all the other sisters and women on this call, whether they want to say it or not. <laughs> we're all grateful. So we want you to know that this is a safe place and we definitely want you to speak your truth, brother, whether you think it offends us or not, because we want to know from the male's perspective as best as you can. You know, we know all men ain't like you and vice versa, but we have yes. to have one on the call and we want that. We want that honesty. We want that, uh, that raw. Uh, if it hits us in the gut, please, please do so because it's not physical. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, I, and I, let me just say this. I appreciate that because um, not to shout out other platforms, but I've been on another platform, um, you know, talking, you know, uh, this, uh, they use terms like popcorn style and stuff like that. So y'all probably know what I'm talking about, but, um, I've been on this platform and they'll say safe spaces, Oh, this is a safe space. But then when I mentioned that I was triggered in a room full of women that, yo, this triggers me, I was shut down immediately. Like we ain't trying to hear that shit. And it was like, wow, <laughs> like, like that's some, you know what I'm saying? Don't come in here with that. That's another trigger, toxic masculinity. Not saying that's it doesn't exist. Don't, don't, not saying it, 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 that triggers me and you to say you coming in here with that toxic masculinity bullshit. We ain't that right there, you know. And honestly, I'm gonna be real with you. You know what else triggers me? Masculinity and femininity, the two words. Because I personally don't think most motherfuckers know what either one of them are. I really don't. I really don't think most of them, most people don't know what either one of them are. But yet they talk like they're experts. But when I ask what's the definition, they'd be like, uh, uh, and they all give me the different, different. Definitions based off of their emotional, I don't know, whatever their thoughts are. But you can't break it down. They always associate it with sex. And the masculine, masculine and feminine energies have nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with sex in the sense of us being sexual and hitting it or whatever and getting it down and all that other shit. They, they, they have nothing to do with it. These are universal principles. And energies and frequencies, but we, you know, so that's that triggers me also when people be in them conversations. What, what they call them? They call them the hoteps, um, which is also, which also kind of, which also 
it's a word that triggers me as well. But that's <laughs> but they the That's what they call them, right? So yeah, that shit. But anyway, let me stop before I go before I go off. When so, you first started, I was thinking about I just wanted to validate him because one of the words that I had was not only one in four, but also one in six. And we don't talk about the one in six, which is one in six males, boys are raped, molested versus one in four, you know, women. And we don't discuss that. So like, you know, when I was thinking about words, I had the one in four and I had the one in six. So I'm I'm glad that we are all kind of on the same wavelength, you know, so I piggy what Joy was saying you know, Mark Quinn, that you 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 are definitely in a safe space. And I, I think he's absolutely right. There's a complete double standard about about sexuality and its expression. Like if you have a 14-year-old high school student and the teacher is trying to hit on her, then that's horrible. You know, he need to go to jail. He need to get locked up. But if you got a 14-year-old male student and his female teacher is hollering at him and let him drive her car then he the man you know he lucky and and you know and that's that's sad that we think that way you know and that young man doesn't get any support so we don't have those conversations we don't we literally don't have that so yeah you're right yeah. so my triggers would be a lot of the things that you all have already said and shared as well as Toxic masculinity, <laughs> toxic masculinity coming from both men and women. Uh, I am also very triggered by terms or statements or uh, actions that usually by women, other women, particularly black women, as though I'm not a woman. Or I don't identify, I'm lesser or lesser woman or female than them. That's a trigger. Mark Quinn, you hit a lot of things on the head, especially with uh, knowing and understanding masculinity and femininity and what it is. How people look at it and people's different definitions based on what I would say their emotional trauma, drama or and or baggage. Why do you think. that these phrases or these things, first off, where do you think that they come from? Where do you think these phrases and the type of behavior that we're talking about, like these triggers, where do you think that type, that stuff comes from? Where do you think I want to hit it? I'm going to smash that. Where do you think that type of talk around sex or sexuality comes from? Trauma. I think it comes from trauma. I think it comes from years of being indoctrinated into a particular mentality, especially over here. So we, so once again, so I'm definitely going to trigger some people with this shit. So we will be quick, especially my pro-black people, we'll be real quick. So I'm, I'm a Garveyite. And I, and I rock that red, black, and green flag. You know, when I uh, go on patrols, we darn it on the car so people can recognize us. I love my people. I love being melanated. I love being black. If I could be blue, black, I would do it. Yeah, Lord knows I've tried. I've sat in the sun for, you know, you know, I just can't get there. But, you know, um, but um, if I could be the color of my 
you see my birthmark. If I can be that, I'd be perfect. But anyway, uh, but listen, um, but at the same time, most of our people ain't nothing but dark skinned white folks. Mentally. We've, we, 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 we cannot deny, we try to run away from, from what's uncomfortable. When in truth, the weight is what's going to make you stronger. That's how you build muscle anyway. We don't build muscle by pushing the air. You build muscle by lifting, by lifting that which to, by some by weight, pushing something, having some resistance. That's how you get stronger. That's how you get better. But no matter what you do, repetition, that weight. And so let's let's be that the weight of truth is something we try to avoid. Everybody want to be an angel, but everybody want to acknowledge the devil or the demon in it. And the truth of the matter is, is that for years, when since our people have been snatched, captured, uh, beat, abused, raped, robbed, pillaged, and um, forced, uh, conditioned, programmed by individuals whose uh, Ivan Van Sertema said when they went with archaeologists uh, and anthropologists and, and, and they did digs and excavated sites of these people it was every grave they came across had a battle axe a sword and a shield and when it was ours it was it might have been a spear and a dagger it might have been a shield but it was usually pottery and things of that nature the reason why i bring that up is to come back full force to the mentality of people of complete violence the true savages a complete violence and then we've adopted that and even our language now adopts that the word she just used, you got rappers, 21 Savage. Dudes like to say it all the time. I'm a savage. I'm a beast. I'm a dog's at. I'm a dog. And, and, and I know we think it's cool, but words have frequency. Words have meaning. It's the truth. Yeah. And, but, and real quick, I mean, and, and you'll see how sick it is. I've worked in alternative high school. I've worked in all schools, CPS. and I still work in those schools. I work in an alternative high school. And I remember uh, this is what happened about three to four years ago, maybe five years ago. The girls had to get used to us calling them queens because they would go through the hallways being like, bitch, bitch, girl, bitch, please. They was just talking to each other. But the minute you said queen, they got offended. Now, think about that. The minute you would say queen, I mean, literally, we was like, yo, now not the whole school, but some quite a few of the girls was like, yo, why you keep calling me queen? And it was just like interesting. And we had to sit down and talk about that and build on that because it was like, damn, that's real interesting, yo. So we have taken that on, even so much to the point where we be like, where we find, we so lazy with the shit, we find excuses in any ways necessary, by any means necessary, not to be disciplined. Like, for example, not to use the word nigga. Well, it's not with the E-I, I'm saying it with an A. Right. <laughs> well, no, it's, it's never ignorant getting goals accomplished. Mm-hmm. it's never no no I, I can use it it's a term of endearment and, and the truth of the matter is is that we never used that word prior to them using it I asked I did this true story I asked my students this I asked I said, said some students that I said hey man I said what would what would y'all do right now somebody kidnapped y'all killed y'all in the basement beat the shit out you forced, to, forced you to eat salt and shit forced you to eat the worst foods raped you did everything, and then instead of instead of calling your name, what they do is they gonna go ahead and call you uh, number twelve, and and that's all you are. You number twelve the whole fucking time. Then the police, let's, let's say the police find you, rescue you, 
or you escape and you get free or whatever, or some people, your people find you. It's been about, I'll just say two, two years you've been captive and you've been fucked up. And you get free. And then one of your homies be like, number 12, what's up? And they was like, man, we'll try to kill that nigga. I said, exactly. And then I said, so why y'all call each other nigga? And all of them were stuck. Like, oh. And I swear to God, the whole classroom went damn. The whole classroom went damn. You can't flip it. You can't make me take number 12. Any woman that has been raped and been and, and had an abuser, if I... They, they, man, and, and if that abuser had called her by certain names and you come around and say that name to her, she'd be ready to throttle you. Get away from me. Leave me the fuck alone. So it's the same way. So why I say all of this to come back to the point that we have to deal with our demons. We have learned and been conditioned by the very people that have literally torn us down. And every facet mentally, spiritually, and physically have done their best to tear us down and to, to, to totally decimate us. And we have taken that mentality and we've applied it to our own people. We've applied it. These people even tell us how our art is supposed to look. So with that being said, with all of that being said, what I want you all to do is to take, because right now I'm with you and I believe all of us are but i want you to take what we know is happening and personalize it more for instance the example you gave with the students and then the one before my 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 experience kind of piggybacking off of what what you said me approaching my cousins to have a talk with the rest of our family around sexual abuse that's been going on throughout our family. And for me, it was around me and the cousins that I used to experiment sexually with. During that time, I was the leader of that group. I was more of the dominant one. And as I got older, I understood why. Because if I wasn't, I would have been controlled and I would have been controlled through sexual experiences as a child, as a kid. So I became the bully. I became the more dominant one. I became the one that's in control. So when you talk about women and girl, female predators, I was on my route, on the route to being that. Coming from a place where if I wasn't, I would have been the victim. So at a child's age, not understanding it, I made a choice. So for me, I think about when we as when we as adults, them and for me when I was a child, them as adults that turn a blind eye to what they know is going on. How do you know? Because it went on with you. And then it went on before then. It's like a secret, right? So, so right. And that's what I called it when I went back to address it to my family. But when I talk about, so I'm kind of like all over the place, but bringing it back to my cousins, the two cousins were boys. I'm the girl, two, two guy cousins. And when I tell you, when you're dealing with stuff that people don't and not ready to deal with, all kind of shit start popping out of there. All kind of anger. 
One threatened me, <laughs> all right, to a point where I get it and understand. But the fear part of it for me was only to not be or hold myself accountable. So what I hear and know you're saying is accountability. Now, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that came to me, and I shared it with uh, Michaela. And I want to say I believe I shared it with you too, T.R., in the conversation that we had. But this came to me through my ancestors, straight down low, because I'm going through, after my cousin shared with me that experience, I straight went ham because it just, it triggered for me what had been going on in our family and nobody's been talking about it in here. But for me, I went, I went away from, from my home to deal with all my shit. And still, as I come up, I still see There are other things that need to be dealt with. But for the most part, it helps me to see everybody else and what has not happened. And not only that, how things happen, you know? So, again, me wanting to have this conversation with them, them not being ready. And at that time, a lot of daggers coming my way. I was still able to listen through the hurt and pain for my cousins to see some things that they don't even want to say or admit that happened to them. But what's happening is when you don't deal with that shit, you automatically shut off something so you can't see it happening to your children. That goes with all kinds of abuse, all kinds of things that you're not dealing with. And so for me, In a conversation that I had when I was going through, well, when did it become not normal anymore? When did it become not normal for you to experiment with your cousins and your friends sexually of your your peers, your age group? When did that become something that now is uh, a danger or a threat? What's happening in that scenario? So for me, my scenario, what came in is what was happening to the individual children. And when we would come into the group, then it would come to a bullying thing. So if you all notice, if you all teachers, there was a period when it was a lot of sexual molestation that was going on. And we had to have all of these different trainings and certain kids, certain age groups couldn't be together. Kids were molesting kids. Okay, so this is the this is when now it's becoming so heavy, but I can tell you what was going on in my generation that wasn't being dealt with. And when I sit and I talk to friends, the girl and I know you probably remember a girl that I dated. We came home one year and this was in my late 20s. We came home one year to Chicago and her little cousins had a party and her little cousin. We was watching the little cousins play. And her little cousin, one little cousin was, uh, the boy was like about five or six and little girl was maybe about four years old. And when I tell you their energy was so grown, this little boy grabbed this girl around her waist and told her, wait, come back. Don't, don't leave. He grabbed her like they was teenagers. Immediately. I knew what was going on there and I knew what was going to continue to go on because I knew what kind of family they, they came from. So with that being said, I knew a lot of other things that were happening within our family that were not being talked about. And as the girl in my family that actually was 
the strong one, the more dominant one. I took up for and looked out for a lot of the younger girls in the group, in my family and friends on my block. So when I left, it was like I left them. Right. Now, bringing this thing back to sexuality. My next question with that story I gave my next question to you all. When does it become abnormal? When is it a problem? When does it become a danger? This is before we even get out to the, before we get out to situations like sex traffic, being, being uh, exposed or being able to even be victimized in, a situ- in sex trafficking, abusive relationships. I'm stunted as you ask that question because when I look at my own life, being 44, I'm trying to think, I don't think there ever was a time where sex was normal. Get up, get up, get up, get up. These are the difficult conversations that we need to have within our families, our communities, our neighborhoods, in small groups to begin to change the narrative in the world in which we live in. You want to see something different. You have to do different things. Be different. Seek healing in ways that you have never before and adapt to the ways that have been here that work. Again, as I say to my family, I'm actually prepared for your resistance because that is a part of the process. Been there. Done that. Trained forward. Jedi style. No doubt. I won, and I'm here to teach you the same, to change that narrative. So through acknowledgement, if we do not acknowledge ourselves, we will not acknowledge others. Now, are you seeing the importance of the full proverb, know thyself and you shall know others? That is the missing piece. And I was able to hear and see through the pain and what was truly being said. With that being said, you know that saying, hurt people hurt people? Well, that's how that remains true. Knowing thyself, you see the hurt in others. And when you don't fix the hurt in you, you do the same thing because that's what you know how to do until you learn something different. But you have to be willing to receive it. They say the truth piss you off when you first hear it or encounter it. <laughs> and again, those of you all that know me know that joy means truth. So I'm going to give a shout out to an old wizard friend of mine by the name of Kalade <laughs> from Chicago, living out in Atlanta. He turned me on to a book uh, titled How to Argue and Win Every Time. 
And in there, Dr. Spencer mentions being able to listen through the hurt and pain. And that's one of the hardest things to do when people are spewing daggers and bullets at you because they're so hurt. You got to be able to listen to that to get to what they're really saying. And that's what I mean. Once you have been to that place where you've been through your own shit, you can see clearly other people's shit and they shit don't bother you. So you've been through your shit, but the next step is now accepting this thing, acknowledging it. One, before you can acknowledge it, before you can accept it, you got to acknowledge it. Right? Continuing to create the same reality. How do you break it? Recognizing it. Identifying the what or the what's. Acknowledging it. Being able to see your own pain gives you the ability to identify the hurt in you so you see the hurt in others and how it comes. So therefore, you know your response. You then can start to see the many response people have and it based on what? Then you got to allow, allowance into acceptance. Feeling your feelings all the way through. Through to expression, because our bodies will tell us how it wants to expel these trapped energies that we allowed into the body. Through all these different feelings and emotions that we won't let out. Listen to your body. Then once you have that, you can begin to now release. Release. Listen to your body and allow it to let go of the fear. I'm going to give you all an example of physical. I'm going to give you a, a physical example. When I was a kid, I used to hate throwing up because of the way it made me feel. I felt like I was dying because I would lose my breath. I couldn't breathe. Uh, and it was something I had no control of over something that was coming out of my body. So it really felt like I was dying. So what I learned, I learned to master swallowing my throw up or controlling it to keep it down. Which then keeps all of that poison and shit in the body. And I learned that because it was so much pain, I was afraid of it. Again, the fear of death, the human's number one fear. So once you can lift that fear up, you kind of can work through the rest. When I got older, through a process of uh, a healing process, I went through where the body naturally dispels through both hope, through all the holes in your body. You have no control. When I went through that is when I lost the fear of how to dispel Shit that you don't want, illnesses, disease from the body. Now, you have to maintain and make sure you keep yourself around people, places, and circles that promote that knowing. Because just because you know does not mean that it will stay with you the whole time. And that's why it's important to keep these cycles going. Because we are having a human experience. 
once you're able to release, then you're able to forgive and go through the forgiving process. And then acclaim. Acclaim what it is you do want. Own it by visualizing it, seeing yourself there with it. What's happening now that you have it? Okay. It takes a lot of work to free yourself from a slave mentality. Think freedom, free will, and remember, you got to give it to get it. That's the big part of the work. That's also the understanding of the law of karma and gravity even. What goes up must come down. Most humans forget that as it is going up and coming back down, it is going through a journey which accumulates things along the way of that journey. So by the time it gets back to you, it's not the same as what first went up. You feel me? So family members with misplaced anger. So in other words, those of you all that think you can place family members, don't think that you're not being placed at the same velocity that and energy that you put out because that is how the universe works. So how do you change that reality? How do you change that narrative? First, by owning yours, acknowledging it and your role. Then actually doing something that promotes the change you want to see. Placing folk leaves no room for growth, which means you expect the same to be done for you. You can't grow past who you were with the right people that it should be dealt with. Let go of the gossip. Let go of the lies. Stop casting rockets of hate, anger, and revenge. Because it only continues the cycle and it gets stronger. I've finally been freed up because I came and I answered the call. I came back and I gave the message to family. Whether they receive it or not, I've been released. And I'm living one of the most happiest times of my life now. Because I can finally see the truth and move into the space that I've always known I was meant to live in. As you all heard, there's definitely a part two to this conversation that you all must hear. Gives more insight to family and more topics to discuss within your own family and circles of influence. I'd like to thank everybody that participated in this particular conversation and the conversations and discussions to come. Because, again, these are those tough conversations where we find those unconscious beliefs that keep us from healing ourselves and our communities. I'd like to thank my sponsors and my monthly supporters. You all be sure to tune in next week for part two to this particular discussion. I am Joy of Joyful Sounds signing off and out. Peace.